0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Behind the Glass Sports Podcast. We thank you guys for tuning in, joining with us. Um, we're approaching 2,000 listens, so I know in the grand scheme of things, if you like divide that by how many days or <laughs> how many episodes we have, it's not the best, but I don't know. I just think it's kind of cool when we're breaking those milestones or coming upon that, um, even though we probably lost all of our Argentina base because Brandon <laughs> likes to poop on Faku, so... Probably lost at least a good one listener there. So hopefully we can bring him or her back during the season. But a few things to get to today. Obviously, since the last time we were on, the Nuggets' uh, full schedule release is out. So we can talk about that. Um They actually have one of the weaker schedules in the league this year. And uh, when it comes to rest, they have one of the better advantages in terms of rest time this year. Mm-hmm. So... Maybe things are lining 50, up. 55 wins. A minimum. Uh, minimum. minimum. Okay, okay. 55.
1: They should be able to win 55 this year. Uh, I I went through it myself and I gave them some losses on back-to-backs and um, you know, whatever. 55? And I landed at, Well, I landed at 57. Oh God. that's nuts. And I gave them I gave them some extra losses that I Thought, like i thought i was gonna land right around 51 i ended up landing at 57 i think they went 55
0: okay i don't know if i'm there yet but then again i don't know if i want to bet on them to lose games because <laughs> that didn't work out for me so I'm, i might just take the over on you and then hopefully they can just well, go what's
1: over the, the whatever the over is it's on 47
0: and a half, i think yeah it was.
1: uh yeah Yeah. Take the over now. It's like you can. Oh yeah. That, that yeah. that's easy. They sh- they're gonna win fifty.
0: Yeah.
1: It's just that's... where
0: in the fifties are they gonna? Right. Be. Right. And... But yeah, I mean
1: that's um. If I, I mean if I wanted to be that patient, like I'd put money on it, but I'm not like. I don't want to wait six months. <laughs> well, and
0: it, it might look bleak early on in the season. Right. Because yep. they have a tough start to the schedule. Like I think it's the month of December is just hellacious Um, they play I think like something stupid like 15 out of 21 games on the road at the end of November going into December Um, let me see if I can pull up their full schedule here um, because this picture is super blurry but I mean they're gonna have a tough start to the season but a a pretty soft end to the season and you would think that's actually fairly nice for Jamal coming back Um, So let's see. Yeah, end of November, I think, is where the stretch gets a little crazy. You have a stretch of Dallas, Philly, Chicago, Phoenix, Portland. I mean, Portland and Chicago, I mean, I think those will be competitive teams. But in there, you also have Milwaukee, Miami. You can kind of skip over Orlando. uh, But who knows? R.J. Hampton revenge game. Um, Then you have New York, Chicago... Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of tough. Where was that stretch that was just brutal? It might be this one. December 26th, you have the Clippers, um, Golden State twice, which one of those games is in the Oracle. I say we just forfeit the game and not even show up. <laughs> or not the Oracle, whatever, the Chase is, whatever it's called now. Yeah. Um, there was What is the stretch that was, like, super rough? I think it was just that stretch where they play, like, 15 of 21 on the road. Um, but it's a hard start to the schedule. Um, and then a soft landing, you know, looking at it, I'm trying to figure out where it was. I'm gonna have to go back to like Chris Dempsey's tweet. I think it was. Um, but I think very much so 50 wins should be in play. I don't think that should be an issue at all for them to reach.
1: Yeah. And I also saw, um,
0: 14 primetime games this year, by the way.
1: Yeah. I also saw... Uh, MPJ is uh, one of the lead candidates for most improved players. So if he does, you know, if he is in that and he was in it last year, too, but they're saying he could be in it again. Um, if that's the case, they should easily win 50 games. It, it shouldn't, you know, the the schedule. They're, look, the Nuggets are going to lose to the Cavs maybe once. They might lose to Washington maybe once. You know, they'll lose those games. But they'll also win games that they're not supposed to win. And that's just how it is every year. And if you look at their win percentage over the last three seasons, uh, it's one, it's gotten better every year. Uh, and then last year, I think their win percentage was about the same as the year before. And at that win percentage, they should be able... I think that win percentage is 55 wins. So if they... And I think with the easier schedule this year than you know the past two years, I I think you can you can say that they should be able to at, at the bare minimum win fifty, um, but they should right be right around that fifty four to fifty seven mark. Honestly, yeah. I, I I if if you told me that the Nuggets would. Win 58 games, and I believe that would be their record. Right, the record is 57. Yeah. Um, if they, if you told me that they didn't win 58 games, I would not be shocked by you saying that. Like, I think that, that is doable, depending on when Jamal gets. But even with with the Jamal injury, I think they're gonna actually drop more games when he comes back than with him just being out
0: trying to get a sense of things.
1: Yeah, so if they can if they start the season off really well it, with a tough schedule, then all of a sudden 60 games isn't out of like it's not out of like the possible like it, it's not crazy. Right? Now, I don't think they're going to win 60 games, but it, a lot of it falls on the first couple months of the season. And then how they integrate Jamal back in? Will they drop some games because of that? Um, how good is Michael Porter Jr. as you know the the main um, wing scorer? Like what you know how what those are like the big questions. But if MPJ averages twenty five and eight, and Jokic is Jokic, and they do well in the first two months, I mean I wouldn't put it past them to win sixty games.
0: Well, I'm also curious to see if MPJ takes a step, right, and he hits 23 to 25 points per game a night, and he's he's looking like a, not just a second leading man, but on some nights a leading man, and then you bring Jamal back, I wonder how they're going to approach that with Jamal, like, hey, you don't have to be bubble Jamal. You right. can just kind of ease yourself back in. Or knowing Jamal is Jamal going to be like no balls to the wall I'm going after it and I'm going to reestablish myself. That's a question that I have right now. That's already kind of making me internally nervous because that's a type of thing that can kind of throw off a team and right. well, throw and off their said- trajectory and and the internal pulse of the team.
1: Right. And and that's why I said, you know, I I wouldn't be shocked if they lost more games trying to integrate Jamal back in than not having Jamal at all right mm-hmm. um, like that The like say he comes back in January right a little early um, but the first two months they're on pace to win 60 games and all of a sudden Jamal comes back and they kind of fall apart because they're trying to integrate Jamal and Jamal is being a little too aggressive wanting to kind of reestablish himself as the number two guy MPJ starts to struggle. All of a sudden, you know, they drop a few and their pace drops down to 52. Right. Like I could I could easily see something like that. Now, like you said, if, if Jamal comes in and he's like, OK, for this season, I'm going to kind of fall back, be that third guy. And when it's closing time, that's when Jamal can can go crazy. Right. If they do that and and he is a little bit more, I guess, aware of of. You know what MPJ is doing. If he's averaging twenty-five game, let MPJ kind of carry through the first three quarters, and then let then have Jokic and Jamal take over the fourth. If they do that, and I think that's the their recipe. I think that's their perfect recipe. I then maybe if they are on pace for sixty games, and then they integrate Jamal like that, then all of a sudden, well, I, I don't think their pace is gonna drop, if if at all. I they it might drop a little bit, you know, maybe on pace for 57, 58 games. But that's kind of the hope. But like you said, I we don't know what Jamal is gonna be like when he gets back and, and mentally, not just physically, but mentally. I I don't know I don't know what to really expect. Um to be honest, I feel like remember when his rookie year he didn't make a three for like I don't know how many shots it took him to make a three, like 40 or, so, or 20-something, 30-something. It took him a long time to hit a three, uh, his rookie season. And everyone's like, this guy was supposed to be able to <laughs> – this guy was like a three-point shooter. What, what's going on? I feel like that's kind of something that I'm expecting from Jamal, where he comes back and he's just ice cold from three. And he'll heat up eventually, but that's kind of what I'm expecting. So if that's the case – They just have to make sure that they still play through MPJ and Jokic if MPJ is playing the way we think he will and should.
0: Well, in a a counter to my point that I made, I forget that our best player is the most passive person naturally. So he'll be like, sure, Jamal, if you want to take my scoring load, go on ahead. I'll score 10 points. I'll average 10 and 20. But I I think
1: the problem is, and and we've talked about this a lot, is I think MPJ's game and Jamal's game are are the ones that kind of clash. Even if Jokic takes a step back and averages 18 a game, I still think MPJ and Jamal's game clashes.
0: Well, one of those guys has to be, one of them has to be an off-ball creator as well. That's the issue. Is because right now, both of those guys need the ball for the most part right. to be effective. You know, you don't you don't really think of Jamal as a great off-ball scorer or MPJ. I mean, even though they were running sets for him off-ball to where he was getting to the free-throw line and shooting that little jump shot. The reason why it works so well for Golden State, right, is because Steph doesn't need to have the ball. Clay no, doesn't need to off-ball. have the ball. Right. They're, they're, they're both the exceptional off-ball players. Off-ball. So... With the Nuggets, you have two guys who are very dominant with the ball. And to be fair, there's not a lot of like really great off-ball guys in the league. A lot of the stars need the ball. So, I don't know. It's the, One of those guys is going gonna, gonna to have to develop that. You know, maybe that's Jamal. You know, maybe as he's easing himself in, he realizes, okay, I can just ease myself into the game. I don't necessarily need to make something happen because we have obviously the MVP we have MPJ who everybody knows what he's capable of you know Will Barton coming back hopefully he can stay healthy he can you know play make and do what he does scoring the ball and you know (laughs) I think we kind of forget about like Aaron Gordon is on the team like he's just kind of like a forgotten soul sometimes like I saw some tweet about that a couple month like a couple weeks back they're like I seriously forget that Aaron Gordon is on the team and I'm like (laughs) yeah me too honestly you forget about him and, again, that's your fourth or fifth scorer, ideally. And that's a, that's a great situation to be in.
1: Uh, probably your fifth because I think Will takes the fourth.
0: Right. And that's a great situation to be in. That's a guy who can just get 8 to 10 points off of dunks and layups and putbacks alone. So, and obviously we see when he's forced to be a creator, not his strong suit at all. Um, but I think it's going to be an interesting interesting thing to watch. How, how that will be approached come that time. What is Jamal's mindset going to be? What is the team's mindset going to be? Which I think is why it's probably smart for them to bring him off the bench instead of throw him in the starting lineup right away. Mm-hmm. I think because in that way, if he wants to be aggressive, he can be the focal point of a second unit, whereas you know on the first unit... I'd rather him not force things to happen and just naturally find the flow. So that's going to be fun to watch. But um, yeah, the Nuggets have a 13 game like road stretch in like November going into December. But then I think like 13 of their final 20 to end the year are at home and they have an interesting end to the home stretch LA twice in the, the last four games, Lakers that is at Lakers. And then your last game of the season is versus the Lakers. Now, if the Lakers have things locked up, you know you may not even see LeBron or AD um, or Russ in those games. But still, it's it's something interesting to think about, um, given how this schedule might turn out. Um, but uh, not a not a terribly hard schedule. There's it's her, it's hard early on, which we have mentioned already. Softens up at the end when Jamal comes back. So that's at least good. Um, I want to hit on ESPN real quick. I don't know if you saw this. They put out the top 10 teams going into next year. You know, the power ranking type stuff. And if you had to guess who the top 10 teams were, uh, who would you say? Going into next year, how would you Uh... rank it? I won't rank it because I'm I'm already looking at the list, but I mean, I guess I could say it, you know, how I would have ranked it, but... Who would you say? I would say
1: probably (sighs) top ten teams. Yes. How would you
0: rank them going into next year? I'd probably say Brooklyn one.
1: Um yeah, I I guess so you've got I'm gonna get the teams right now. You got Brooklyn. The Lakers. Um
0: I'd probably put Milwaukee three. I don't know where I want to rank Philly because I don't know what happens with Ben Simmons. And I don't want to put the Clippers high because Kawhi is going to be out.
1: Well, and that's the thing. Once you get past the three, I think everyone is just jumbled. Um, a lot of questions on, on every... I mean, there's still questions on those top three teams, obviously. But... Um... Like, I I would put the den- I I would put the Nuggets in in the top ten. Um, I'd put Golden State in the top ten. I would put Phoenix in the top ten. I would put... I'd put Philly in the top ten. I would put Utah in the top ten. can't believe I just said that. Um, (laughs) Dallas. I forgot about Utah. (laughs) Dallas and the Clippers. Uh, Yeah, I think the top 10 is actually easy. You got... Unless you want to put Boston. Boston's interesting. You got Brooklyn, Milwaukee, LA. Then you've got... Not in any particular order, but Nuggets, Warriors, Jazz, Suns... Um... 76ers uh, i'm forgetting a team that i said a uh, dallas and then maybe maybe boston here's... or atlanta atlanta oh, i'd atlanta i had a boston yeah yeah i had boston
0: there i forgot about atlanta here's how i do it i'd go brooklyn 1 i like you said after the top 3 i think it's a it's a bunch of moving parts for the most part brooklyn 1 Lakers two, Milwaukee three. I go. Uh, I'd put Milwaukee two. I go Utah four, Phoenix five. Gold Wait, State. what? Yeah. You Gold- put
1: Utah four? Yes. Yeah. Oh goodness gracious! Because they're they're
0: bringing back pretty much everybody at this point. Uh,
1: yeah. The, exactly.
0: Um, Phoenix four or Phoenix five? I'm not gonna deal with you. <laughs> Golden State six, Miami who had a really good offseason. Seven. Got about Miami. I put Denver eight, Philly nine, and Atlanta ten. You probably, honestly, should rank Atlanta ahead of Denver and Philly, just because Denver's down Jamal and you don't know what's going to happen with Ben Simmons. Right. Um, yeah. But then on the outside looking in, I mean, you have Boston Dallas, right
1: there. Dallas Sippers, and Boston.
0: Dallas. Um, I would say those teams. You know, you probably New York, the Knicks probably the teams on the outside looking in right there.
1: I mean, look, the, for the first time in a long time, th- last year and this year, the the league is very balanced. Um because even with the top 3, there's massive questions. Can the Nets play defense? Can they stay healthy? Can the Lakers stay healthy? Um you know, can the Lakers score enough? Um can can Milwaukee do what they did last year? Can Giannis shoot the mid-range? You know, what happens when he plays against a healthy Nets team? Um, what happens if they play against a healthy Atlanta team? Um, you know, like those those are, are questions. Can, can Giannis repeat what he did? And then you look at the the, the other teams um, outside of the top three looking in. Can Golden State, what happens, is Clay going to come back and be as good as, as he was? Um, you know, will there are two rookies make some big impacts? Would James Wiseman be be really, really good? Um, what happens with Wiggins? You know, how does he play? But if, if the right pieces fall, they could be a top three seed for Denver. What if MPJ comes out and makes an all-star team and Jokic is, is a top five MVP candidate again. And then Jamal comes back and, and they're looking really good. They could be a top three team in the West. Um, the Boston Celtics are, are really interesting. Tatum and 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 Brown, they made some front office changes. Uh, they let go of Kemba Walker. Um so, you know, they could come back and, and be better. Uh the 76ers, what if they get Dame? All of a sudden they're a top 3 seed, right? Um what what about Atlanta? You know, do they continue to to get better you know those young they were really young team can can they get better they have they have the playoff experience now can they get better same thing with Phoenix is in that same exact boat Um, they've got playoff experience not the playoff experience that I would want them to have but they they got a lot of experience in the finals Um, can they get better can DeAndre and put put together an all-star caliber season can Devin Booker be put himself in the top 10 uh, as far as players in the league Um, For Dallas, what's going on with Luka? Uh, What's going on with the rest of their team? Can Luka kind of...
0: Who's going to come with Luka? It's pretty much it.
1: Well, not not just that, but can Luka take a step back sometimes as well and not just need the ball in his hands the whole time? Um, For the Clippers, does Kawhi come back maybe earlier than expected? Probably not. But, you know, they could be a top three seed. Um, So, like, I can make an argument for, like, 12 to 13 teams... To be really, really good that can come out of nowhere and and be really good. Um, you know, Atlanta came out of nowhere last year. New York came out of nowhere last year. So who's that team this year? Is it Detroit with Cade Cunningham? Uh, is it Cleveland? Cleveland's looking really good. Um, Orlando got Jalen Suggs. You know, is there a team, maybe LaMelo Ball in Charlotte? Um, is there a team that kind of comes out of nowhere? Memphis, New Orleans, Zion, I think it's Chicago, Chicago. Uh, I, the league is, we're in that, we're in that period where the the older superstars, you know, they're kind of fading away. It's a lot like the mid two thousands when you had LeBron, Melo, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh come into the league. And, you know, guys like Shaq were getting older and, you know, San Antonio kind of, they had won their, their two or three. And it was kind of a jumbled mess between like 2002 and 2009, right? And then Kobe kind of, Kobe won his two, Boston made their big three. And then LeBron went over to Miami and he had his dominance. So it's like in that range of 2002... To 2009 or 2008, where you had kind of random teams win it. You had Detroit win it. Um, you had Miami win it, a very young team, Dwayne Wade in in year three. Uh, San Antonio won one, but you saw LeBron carry that trash Cleveland team to the finals. Um, you know, so like you had weird years where teams kind of came out of nowhere and it was a lot of the young guys um, that kind of push their teams over the top, and I we're in that we're in that spot, right? We're we're in that spot where you got Trey, Jason Tatum, uh, Zion, Luca, um, you know the young guys in Chicago. Like you got guys that can take that, and accept Denver with MPJ, Jamal, Jokic, you've got guys that can all of a sudden just it clicks, and if it clicks for those teams those teams are better than other than probably Brooklyn, depending on injuries, those teams can beat teams like those guys. Because, you know, if Atlanta like let's say Atlanta's or let's say Chicago's guys can figure it out. Lonzo has an all-star caliber year. You know, Levine is really good. Like they have a they they have a lot of depth. They have, you know, one through eight is overall better than a team like the Nets. And so if the Nets, you know, if their big three is great, yeah, but if they can't defend, can a team out of nowhere beat them? Like a Detroit Pistons team beating a older L.A. team that was, you know, top four heavy? Yeah, it's possible. You can see that. So those things can happen this year can a team like Denver beat the Lakers? Absolutely. Because 1 through 9 they're better. 1 through 8 they're better and their top 3 can match the Lakers' top 3. That's all you need to do is match. Can you match? Can um Jason Tatum and uh and Brown can can they match Brooklyn's top 3, right? Um who's the third in Boston? Uh, I I'm, I'm blanking. That's not... That's their who third it best, is. Right? Is that really their third best player? Okay. Well, Milwaukee, right? Milwaukee, I've always said. With Giannis... 4
0: days look good. I mean, he dominated yeah, but, in the Olympics.
1: Okay, sure. But I don't think Tatum and Brown can match what no. the Nets a big three no, can do. Nobody can. So, well, I, I think if you can get close enough, like what Milwaukee did, remember, and, and people forget this, they had... Look, they had injuries to um, to James Harden early in the series, but they won games three and four fairly easily. So, and that was with a healthy Kyrie, and then obviously James Harden was a shell of himself. So Milwaukee pretty much easily took it, other than KD just going supernova. But if if Kyrie and James Harden are healthy. KD probably doesn't go supernova, right? So, because he doesn't need to, but an overall team can be better than a top three. Is all I'm saying. You can, sure. you can, yeah. you can catch breaks within games and steal games because your team is better. And in this type of year, where there's a lot of young, up and coming players who are on teams that have a lot more depth than the Lakers and the Nets, things change. Look at Golden State. They're a team where if Steph plays like he did last year, if Clay comes back and plays at 80% of what he was, um, Draymond all of a sudden fits the role that he needs to fit in and, and fits in really well. If James Wiseman has a big step up from year two and their two rookies play really well and Wiggins plays well, that's a team that I would say is better than the team that won seventy two games, seventy three games. Because you look at that seventy three win team, right? Hold you on. had Steph <laughs> at an you you had Steph. Well, hear me out. You have Steph at an MVP level. Well, Steph is playing at at played at an MVP Steve, level. Yes. Right. If Clay plays at eighty percent, okay, fine. Um, if Draymond fits back into that same role, he can do that right his game he's not he's never been a super athletic guy um you know he's a guy that plays really good defense and still does and is a playmaker on the other side right he can handle and and all do all those things he can still do those things and then if james james wiseman is better than any center they had on that 73 win team wiggins i would say is better than harrison barnes and then they got better, they got just as good of depth as that 73-win team. Now, you don't have Andre Iguodala, right? You don't have a guy like that on that team. But I would say Wiggins kind of fits, like, he he kind of does what Barnes did offensively and then does what Iguodala does defensively. Because Wiggins had a really, really good defensive year. So, that's a team, now, where they win 73 games? No. But that's a team that I can make an argument... They've gone back to what won them those first two championships, or at least got to the finals against or without KD, right? Like they've gotten back to building that type of team. And if Steph and Clay can be, if Steph is still at an M- at an MVP level, which he is, and if Clay can get close, which many people think he can, then they're gonna be great. They're gonna be a sixty win team. So you can make an argument for. 10 to 13 teams to be insanely good. It's not a walk in the park for for the Nets. It's not a walk in the park for the LA Lakers. It's not. It just isn't. You got teams that are younger, that have more depth, and are just as dangerous offensively and defensively.
0: I mean, I'm not going with you on the 72 win thing. I mean, maybe they have more potential because they have super athletic guys I mean, I'm looking back at but that that's team. That's what they were. Uh, look, Leandro I'm not saying Warboso that they're. I, was on that team.
1: Sure, and and I understand Very like they're cool not. Cool. And I'm not saying they're going to go out and win 73 no, games, no. right? I'm just saying that Plus those they guys got were
0: prime at that time.
1: But the the way they've constructed their roster is is that right now to win 73 games, you gotta have you gotta catch breaks throughout the year. You've got to stay healthy like you've got to do a lot of things and you got to try to win those 73 games you got to remember like you know like the Miami Heat when they were really good they they could have probably won 70 games you know they went on a 27 game winning streak right so when they wanted to they they won almost every single game because their talent level they're better than every team but throughout the year in, in back-to-back situations and when you just don't feel like playing, then you're going to drop some. And you're going to drop some silly games. So, But that Golden State team that won 73 games, they went on a crazy win streak early in the year. And about halfway through the year, they were on pace to matching. So the second half of the year, they tried and did everything they could to break that record, which they did. But if they didn't care, they they would have never won 73 games. They would have won 63-64, right? Because they would have dropped silly games because they didn't feel like playing. Or they would have rusted guys, whatever. But they wanted to win 73 games. So they did everything they, they could to win those 73 games. And that's why they did it. So, like, a team like the Nets. If KD, James Harden, and Kyrie played out of their minds eighty all eighty two games of the year. Could they win seventy games? Probably. In the East? Yeah, probably. But they're not gonna try it and do that. So what this I'm also saying is isn't this isn't
0: the old East that we've been used to for the last true. decade or so.
1: True. But what I'm saying is this Golden State team and the way they've built their roster, I can't say that it's not much worse than that 72-win team or 73-win team. Well, I mean, they're it's just not. younger.
0: But the, that whole 72-win team, everybody played their role so perfectly. Right. Yeah, Barbosa, Barnes, Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston. I mean, everybody on that team. But you you Logan, can't tell me
1: that those guys are more talented than the guys that, that Golden State has now. Well, you can't.
0: I mean, no talent-wise, physically, athletically, no, they're not. But that was a more veteran team. It's just their their stars were in their prime: Steph, Clay, Draymond, and they had savvy veterans who knew right. how to play the right well,
1: way. Well, okay, now, now you those... have the
0: guys that are the pri- the stars of the team. Now they're in the twinkle, the twilight of their primes, and now the other the role players are young,
1: inexperienced it, it guys. It's swapped, right? Where your your three, your big three, quote-unquote big three, is now your va- your savvy veterans, right? But like I just said, Steph is still at an MVP level. The, obviously, the big thing is if Clay is, you know, still Clay, right? He'll we don't back. know.
0: He'll
1: be fine. Okay, well, then if you say he's fine, then okay— then what are we and Draymond's basically the same player the reason why Draymond's gotten so much crap the last couple of years is because he's playing out of his role he's having to do more with Clay out and Steph being injured half half the time like and all the injuries that they've had like they they've needed Draymond to put up 15 points and he can't do that well he it's didn't need single. to right he didn't need to put up 15 a game with that 73 win team he was triple single, right? Eight points, eight rebounds, eight assists.
0: He was the Aaron Gordon he, for their team.
1: He can he still do horn. that. Draymond can still do that. I mean, he just – he he's still a really good defensive player.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So he still is that – like, their three, in my opinion, aren't worse than they were five years ago. They're not. They're no, not. I don't think they're worse. Yeah. If anything, Steph is better.
0: Well, maybe Draymond's a than what he was,
1: but maybe, but then I think Steph is better. And if we think that Clay is going to be the same guy, then those three I'm not worried about those three. Yeah. And I then mean, if I James... think going
0: to be the same guy because he's a shooter, he's not a guy that relied on right. explosion and athleticism,
1: right? And if James Wiseman takes that step, which a lot of guys do in year two, well,
0: it depends on how long he's going to be out, though,
1: right? Um, I, I like that the and their two rookies killed it in, in summer league, obviously, they won't play great. Um, but if they can play their roles, and they understand their roles, th- they'll be just fine. Um, yeah. You know, they still have. Do they still have Kevin Looney? Yes, I believe they do. Right. So, it, you know, if Kevin Looney can stay healthy, and and here's the thing, and, and people crap on Wiggins because he was the first over first or no second overall pick, it didn't work out, and or maybe he was the first I think overall he was pick. One. Yeah. yeah, he was one. It didn't work out in Minnesota, but you cannot tell me that Wiggins, is. A worse player than Harrison Barnes. No way. Wiggins is twice as good defensively as Harrison Barnes was, and he can do the same exact thing offensively as Harrison Barnes could. I mean, that, the starting, their starting five is better than their 73 win team.
0: I would mean, say they're if, pretty comparable. At that point in Harrison's career, I mean, Harrison Barnes will really become a really effective offensive player now in his career. Right, Wiggins but, is more known defensively, but I oh, mean, Wiggins if you remember back in those playoff that. series, Harrison Barnes did not show up at all. Exactly. <laughs> so.
1: Exactly. So, like, I, I just when 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 I look at that team, I I I think they're the best team in the West. The Warriors. I do. If if they are healthy, I think the Warriors are the best team in the West. Right now, now the um... Lakers the Lakers, the only reason why I don't say it's the Lakers is it, it, it's because I don't know how things are going to mesh with them. Like I, I don't like yeah, you've, you've got their like I don't know how Westbrook, LeBron and A.D are going to play together, and it's going to take time, obviously. that's going to take time for them to figure that out. but then past them, those three, it's rough. Like it, it's not, it, like, it's not good, and that's where I think the Warriors are so much better. Like, like Steph Clay, Steph and Clay can match LeBron and AD, right? And if Wiggins, can and Wiggins and Draymond can essentially together match what Westbrook does, which I think they can, then I think five through eight, the Warriors are way better. Yeah, I mean... Golden State's the better team. At,
0: let me look at um, the Lakers' roster. Because they got a... I mean, Malik Monk comes to mind. I think Ben McLemore signed there. Oh, who do they have? Uh, obviously, Melo, Trevor, Ariza. I mean, that's just an old team with a lot of savvy veterans. you still got Marc Gasol, Wayne Ellington, Tim the way, Tucker. By the way, a good- I don't know would
1: re-signed with Golden State, so he's back. Um Plus I forgot Matthews. about that. I
0: don't I don't know if I don't know if Golden State's better.
1: I think they are. I think they are. I think I'm looking at they still have Jordan Poole, they have Autoporter. Oh wow, they signed Potter Jr. Okay. Um And I think they brought the back default Andre answer
0: Ucala. is
1: Damian is, Lee
0: is the Lakers, I think, is the default answer. But I think, I, it's, I, I think it's so movable right now because of what Golden State can provide. Look and at Golden we can't, State's roster. We can't look Phoenix, at Golden State's roster. Okay. But we can't forget about what Phoenix is bringing back for the most part to the table, starter-wise. Right. Um, I think they're bringing back their entire starting unit, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're, they're running um, it back. Utah. I know there was some rumors about getting rid of Joe Ingles, um, but... I mean, for the most part, they've still kept that team intact. So, I mean, we can't, you know, forget about those guys. I know it's kind of like the pun of the joke that, oh, they're in the one seed. It's fake, and which, in a sense, kind of felt that way. Um, and same with, you know, Phoenix kind of got those those jokes a little bit, but that was more in the playoffs. But, I mean, right. those teams are running it back. So even, even – I'm saying LA's the default. I think right now you probably have to go with Phoenix in Utah – as the best team by default actually because one they're as not as, as injured be- well okay two, as far as better record, their, their teams well i just think right now now that can obviously change but if you're telling me if i had to put my money on one team to finish with the best record in the west next year i'd put it on the lakers
1: Ah, uh, see i'd put it on see, i don't think so because i think it's going to take time for those those guys to mesh well together
0: yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I think so, too. But still, I mean, at the end of the day, they still have LeBron, who even though we don't think he's the best player in the world, I mean, he's still top five. Um, if AD can stay healthy. And another thing, too, I mean, also, I guess it's a counter what I'm saying. I would think the Lakers will be more cautious in how many games those guys play this year. Right. Like, I'd be shocked if AD and LeBron... Not so much Russ, but eighty and LeBron. I'd be shocked if they got over seventy games,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or maybe maybe like seventy-two games, because they're going back to the full eighty-two. So I would think at least those guys are getting ten games of rest,
1: at least. Well, right. So that's why. I, I honestly, I'd put my money on Golden State if if Golden if if I could get the guarantee that Golden State stays healthy. And Clay is Clay. I, I think I, Golden State should be the one seed because they've got enough. Like, you've got your your veterans who, you know, Steph plays every game. Clay may not play every game. He could, he'll probably play, like, you know, 70, right, 65, 70. Um, maybe Draymond will get some rest days in there. But Wiggins doesn't need rest. And then you look at the rest of their guys, they're young. Now, James Wiseman needs to come back healthy and hopefully he's better but they've got some young pieces they, they've got a really good mix of young pieces and veterans and when your veterans are your best players on the team that helps a lot I I just you're not because you're not really it's not like Phoenix right where you're not relying on you're not you're not worrying about your best guys being inconsistent because they're young um so I'm not worried about what that That with Golden State. Like, Golden State, their stars know where they fit, what they need to do to win. Um, and they can push those young guys like Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga and Nico Mannion. Like, they can push those guys and, and get those guys to play their roles. Um, James Wiseman, like, they can do that. And then Otto Porter Jr., that's a great pickup. Um, you still have guys like Jordan Poole, Kevin Looney, Jordan Bell, those guys who were starting. Now, those, Damian Lee, those guys are, are coming off the bench for you. You, you brought back Andre Iguodala. I, yeah, given, I think,
0: given how much the rest that the Lakers are probably going to do, I think I'd probably change. If I had to bet on a team, I think you're probably right. But I think to start the season, I'd probably say Phoenix is probably the best team in the West at this point.
1: As far as who's going to win the most games? I I would say I wouldn't put it past Utah and Phoenix to be one and two again.
0: One sneaky concern for Phoenix though is they have one of the roughest schedules when it comes to I think not only difficulty but travel. Like the Nuggets have a really good schedule in terms of how many rest days they're gonna have. Phoenix is the opposite. They're one of the like hardest Mm -hmm. schedules when it comes to rest. You partner that with Devin Booker making a finals run and going to play in the Olympics, that's a situation I would be concerned about if I was a Suns fan. Right. Uh, seeing kind of what happened with Jamal last year, a deep playoff run, short turnaround into a, a full season, or, well, a shortened se- a season, but still. I would, and we're going still into a condensed offseason, not as condensed as last year, but into a condensed offseason. If I was Monty Williams, I would definitely, there's no way Devin Booker should play More than seventy games next year, right? Like I would, I would manage him so much because the last thing you need is for that guy to go down, right? That's what I'd be concerned about.
1: Well, I'll say it now: I, the Golden State Warriors, will be the one seed in the West.
0: (sighs) Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to when you factor in the Nuggets injury situation, Kawhi being out, um, the Lakers, their health issues. Phoenix, I mean, I think it'll probably be between Phoenix and Golden State. And Utah's a close say, third. Utah's
1: but... a good regular season. Like, they're a great regular season team. They're a joke in the playoffs, but they're a great regular season team. So, I could see them winning 57, 58 games. I mean, that, um,
0: those, those might be your top three seeds right there next year. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and like I said earlier, with the Nuggets, they should be able to be right there. You know, they should be in that 55 win range at least i think so i think that's very possible
0: we're cruising for a four or five lakers nuggets matchup aren't we in the first probably
1: round. probably that's i was just thinking that <laughs> that's, that's, that's just, those are your those are your top five regular season teams right so that's yeah that's just
0: that's just what it that's what it's going to come down yep. to isn't
1: it and the the lakers won't be a top three seed I don't think. I don't think the Lakers would be... I, I See, but I also wouldn't be shocked if, if Utah kind of fell off, though, too. You know? Like, yeah, they're built for the regular season, but there, it's just something weird about Utah that bothers me. And and I don't know... I don't know. I, I'm curious to see if their schedule is tough or not, because I just... That's the team that could fall to four or five pretty easily i I mean
0: i just don't think it it just feels it this just feels like it's shaping up i feel like denver could have a slow start like they did last year out of the gates towards the end of the season i know you said you could see them dropping some games i think that'll probably happen initially but they'll probably start catching steam especially since 13 of their final 20 is at home right they probably move up the standings and they're jockeying with the Lakers in 4 and 5 and bouncing around there. But you said something earlier though, and this is why I'm not so fearful anymore of that. MPJ, Jokic, Murray, I think those guys could absolutely match the current state of LeBron, AD, oh yeah, and Russ. Oh
1: absolutely, yeah,
0: absolutely. I think they yeah. could match those guys, if not honestly outduel well, them. Oh, there's eventually. there's
1: a recipe, though. There's a recipe for the Nuggets. And I said it earlier. MPJ, if he comes out and averages 25 and 8, and then Jamal comes back, right? Even when Jamal is 100%, this is what you need to do because Jamal's your closer. Jamal and Jokic are your closers. Jamal is the, the best top, tough shot maker on the team. He can hit the deep three. He can hit step back threes. He can take someone off the dribble and step back, hit a three, right? Uh, we saw that. We saw tie. it in the bubble. He he is your closer. He's so, you're your outside closer. I'll say that. Your outside closer, okay. right? I'll live with it. I'll allow it. Jokic, Jokic is your inside-the-perimeter closer. And they can play that two-man game. They're the best duo in the league when it comes down to playing a two-man game, playing together, and have, getting an open shot. They get an open shot every single time. Mm-hmm. Every single time. And that's why the Nuggets over the last three seasons, when Jamal is healthy, they're the, one of the best closing teams in the league. It's not just because of Jokic, it's also because of Jamal and the way they play together in that two-man game. So where does MPJ fit? Well, we saw in the playoffs and, and throughout the when Jamal was out, MPJ is not a closer. He cannot do that. He doesn't have... And, and part of it is his, he's young, right? He doesn't... He's not there yet, but... He he has the talent to do so, but mentally I don't think he's there yet. Can he get there? Sure. But this is what you do. You 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 ride MPJ as much as you can through quarter one through three. You let Jokic do his thing through the first three quarters, and you don't really play your two man game unless you absolutely need it. But you let you play through MPJ and, and Jokic for the most part. And then Jamal is kind of out there when he, he's open, you get him shots, whatever, right? On the break, whatever. You you get Jamal his shots, but most of the, the, his shots are going to come in the fourth quarter. Once the fourth quarter starts, it's... And, and you get those guys back in with five, six minutes to go. Everybody move. Everyone move. It's Jamal time, right? It's Jamal and Jokic. Two-man game. <laughs>
0: the big, and I see that's how you close. Waving his hands to everybody right now. Move.
1: Right. right. So... You're going to get games where MPJ puts up 20 through the first 3 quarters and he finishes with 22 points. But Jamal maybe only has 10 points through the first 3 quarters and he finishes with 25-30, right? Jokic is kind of that steady guy where he's going to give you you know, 6 points a quarter. You know, he's Even he's going to kind of be eight. Right, he right, he's going to give you every quarter because he's so versatile, he can do so many things. And he can play with everyone so he can get his shots throughout the whole game. But you've got to balance out MPJ and Jamal. And in my opinion, I think MPJ is the more dangerous uh, offensive player quarters one through three. But Jamal is a more dangerous fourth quarter guy, right? He's a better fourth quarter guy. We've seen Jamal kind of be inconsistent quarters one through three. And that's where his inconsistency kind of falls, where he'll have games where he's two of 12 through three quarters. And then in the fourth, he just lights it up. And you're like, what the hell? Oh, yeah. So yeah. that's, so the recipe is, have MPJ carry you scoring wise for the first three quarters, him and, him and Jokic. And then in the fourth quarter, it's Jokic and Jamal time. That's how it should be. And then you've got, obviously your others kind of filling in, but that's how it should be. And if they do that, Then yeah, they can match. They can easily match the Lakers' big three. And honestly, I put that. I put the Nuggets' big three. They can. They can get close. Not not up to the the Nets, but they can get close. They can. I think them and
0: the Warriors are the only two teams that could get close.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, they have, you know, Steph and Clay just because they can shoot from sixty. And make most right. of them,
1: and then Wiggins can fi- fill in that offensive output.
0: Well, and then you have you have the Nuggets who have three guys who can go for thirty at any given moment. Right. Um, but you forgot the secret weapon of Bones Highland, the <laughs> two man game. And then Bones is so skinny, you forget he's standing on the in the short <laughs> corner three, and then Jokic Yo- throws it behind his earlobe from the opposite right. wing on a dot to Bones. And he chucks up a 50-foot rainbow that nets it. Um, right. But, no, I mean, this team, I, I do not fear, like, yes, obviously, would I not like to go through LeBron in round one, not to have to see him round one? Obviously. But I think now we're at a point where Jokic is, what, in year five, six? Um, Jamal, year four, five, six, whatever it is. Um, they're now veterans established players obviously Jamal hasn't made an all-star team but we know what he's capable of we know the inconsistencies have been a thing throughout his career but again you mentioned it there's there's a handful of guys that I do not want to face with the ball in their hand when there's two minutes left to go in a tight game I'd put Jamal in there I'd put Jokic in there I'd put Devin Booker in there I'd put Steph in there KD you know James Harden you know, Kyrie. I, no, there's oh, absolutely James Harden. Don't stop this. This is not going to be a James Harden slam.
1: <laughs> I'd put Kyrie as far as the Fat last two Harden minutes. Harden
0: maybe not, but Skinny Harden yes. Ky- um,
1: Kyrie in the final two minutes—that's death too. You don't. Exactly. You don't want that.
0: You, yeah. you don't. There's there's certain guys that you don't because they just have no regard. You know, Donovan Mitchell. I think you're right. Donovan Mitchell. There. yep. Um. Yep. There's just guys you don't want to see late in games, and Jamal is one of those guys, and he is. I I honestly think the Nuggets have the three best tough shot makers in the league on one team. I mean, we've seen what Jokic can do. His signature move is an unorthodox jump shot, which he takes off of the wrong foot. Um, Jamal, he prefers a seven-footer to put his hands in his eyeballs before he takes an open jump shot. And MPJ wants you to literally stand underneath his body as he shoots a three so he can net it in your face. So... I'm I'm not as much scared of that anymore. The only the only area I'd be concerned is that that's going to be a really good defensive team and they're just they're just veterans. They're just savvy. Right. LeBron's right. still one of the best basketball minds in the game and when you have that, now obviously you can kind of neutralize that with Jokic because he's one of the best basketball minds in the game. But that's where that's where I still fear the Lakers. It's just the intangible things of LeBron's mm-hmm. mind. But I'm not worried of, oh, man, how are we going to match AD scoring output and Russ and those guys? Well, you have three guys on that end. Plus, you have to factor in the other two guys. Like, Will Barton's not a scrub. Like, Will Barton, I mean, he probably could, if he was on, like, a Charlotte, he could probably average 18 to 20. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe 21. Aaron Gordon, I mean, he can average 15, 12 to 15. You know, Monte, yeah, and, you know, Bones, I know we joke about it, but, you know, Bones could find himself <laughs> falling into eight points. I don't think that's that's hard to see with his three-point shooting ability. So I'm not scared of that situation. Um, well,
1: I, I would say this. The only thing with the Lakers that makes me nervous is they got Dwight Howard back, the uh, one yes, guy the that kryptonite. bothers Jokic. <laughs> um, so that makes me a little nervous because that's really how they won that series. Um, and we say fair, we say
0: bothers, and and Jokic still probably put up numbers.
1: Yeah. Um. And but look, look, look. To be fair, the Nuggets should have pushed that series to six. Um.
0: Yeah, blown assignment. Um,
1: and and they fun. were dead ass exhausted. They gave up game one, you know, because you had to come back from down three one twice
0: I don't think it was that series that it was going into when Scott Vin pelt told Jamal that no the it next was game, I think it was the clippers series Is yeah play on Thursday
1: right <laughs> and then they had to do the same exact thing against the Lakers because uh, they they put themselves in yes. dumb positions yes that's so a young team. If, yeah. right if the nuggets don't do that and aren't idiots and yeah. put them down in in gigantic holes that's nearly impossible to dig out of and somehow they did it Freaking twice! I yes. don't. I still don't understand how that happened, but it happened. Yes. So you you should have pushed the Lakers to six if it wasn't for Mason Plumlee being an idiot and not sticking to his guy. Then, you know, I they they sh- they can they can beat that Lakers team. They can. And and by the way, LeBron is not as good as he was in that series. Um, it's two years later. He's just not. Um, so. They they can beat the Lakers. It would be a seven-game series, and I never want to see LeBron in 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 Game 7. So um, I think I would have to default it to the Lakers. But then again, the Nuggets are gods in Game 7, so <laughs> yeah, you never know.
0: Say, we, this is, <laughs> that's what Jokic lives for. <laughs> right. <laughs> he lives for Game 7. That's what he wa- That's what he prefers. Michael but, Willen's heart does not live for Game Seven. He well, dies has, in Game Seven.
1: LeBron has the decade, the fifteen years of just being so dumb, ridiculous in Game Sevens that like it just scares me. No matter how old he is, he could be eighty years old. I see him in a Game Seven. I'm like, oh God, like I, I don't want to see it. So, um, you know that that just terrifies me. That terrifies me. I don't want to see LeBron James have, in a game seven. You have
0: two guys that prefer game sevens over anything.
1: Sure. That have sure. been
0: there four four series now. <laughs> yeah, out of 14. their six that they played <laughs> as a as a core, the two guys. You know, like so they're yes, LeBron's like, but I've played game sevens, and Jokic is like, I was born in game seven. <laughs> Jamal was like, literally, yeah, they were born in game we're seven. Born in game seven. When I came out the womb, it was game seven. And Jamal tossed his umbilical cord in the frickin' bucket of the ICU.
1: Like, this is crazy to think Their first four series were Game 7s. And
0: they won three of
1: them. Yeah, They won three of the four. Yeah. And should have won the the Portland series.
0: Yeah.
1: It's ridiculous.
0: Michael Malone died like a year is shaved off (laughs) for every Game 7 that he has to coach in. But... I feel like Jokic gains an attribute for every game seven that he plays in. It's like it's like Thanos. They just need a, one more, and then they have the gauntlet. They're they're complete now. Um, but no, it's it's going to be a fun season. I say it now. I know I'm going to regret it when we first play Golden State. But I am really excited to to see that team back.
1: Yeah, they're going to be really good.
0: Um, just to see Steph and Clay, because I mean. One of the – and I tweeted this the other day when I was watching a highlight clip of MJ in that game where he scored 50 or something like that. Did you know he did that without shooting a three?
1: Yeah, with the Wizards. All that was mid-range.
0: Crazy. That was insane to me. But, like, one of the most fun things in sports is seeing NBA players go stupid nuclear. Yeah. Like we've seen Jamal do it. We've seen Steph do it multiple times.
1: Game six, Clay. Oh uh, God. Yeah, yeah it's let's, just – it's, it's even more it.
0: fun – When it's guys who can just shoot. And I think Steph... I don't think there's a better player to watch in the zone than Steph Curry. Yeah. Because his his zone is pulling from 40. And he hits it over and over. Like what he did to Memphis. He just... Over and over. And you're just like... I just have no words for that.
1: When I think of Steph... The first play that comes to my mind is the game winner against OKC, where he was like nearly yeah, at like halftime. Where he just
0: decided to pull up, and they're like, "Um, yeah. Steph, three point lines like ten feet up a little bit." And he's yeah. like, "Nah, um, logo." Uh, but real quickly though, before we wrap up today's pod, gotta hit on the Broncos um, reports on Twitter and and everything like that from Mike Kliss and, and other media members out there. They're getting the sense that. Teddy Bridgewater is likely to be the starter. That's named. name. Now, they're obviously practicing, I think, right now. I think practice ends at 145, and they didn't name a starter, but Fangio is supposed to meet with the media after today, or after today's practice, I should say, and likely to hear who the starting quarterback is, one would think, after practice today. Um, I tweeted it earlier. I just don't, and I've said it multiple times on the pod, and we've talked about it. I just don't see the benefit in... Starting Teddy Bridgewater. He's not your future. I get it. You want to win games. I get that. But I'm looking at this from a future perspective, not a short-sighted perspective. Because this is not a team, regardless of who, lines up at quarterback, that's going to win a Super Bowl this year. I think with Teddy Bridgewater, your your ceiling is 10 to 11 wins. A wild card, most likely. With Locke, it's maybe 8 to 10 wins. And possibly in the hunt for a wild card. But I don't think any... There's a significantly higher ceiling with Bridgewater. All that to say, what did we hear all last year when it came to Drew Locke and his struggles? Oh, he doesn't have continuity. He didn't have a full off season. Well, now he has that. Both of those things. He has a stud-filled offense with talent. And now I think this is just the perfect time, from a fan's perspective, to see. Okay, he's got continuity. He's got an off season under his belt. He's playing with all this talent. If he can't be the guy this year and show that he can be the guy, now you know what you have in him. Why even waste time with Teddy Bridgewater knowing that he's just a bridge quarterback? Then you know what you have in Fangio as well, who I I just don't think at this point, you know, three years in, or, you know, yeah, three years in, there's nothing he can really do to change my mind on what type of coach he is. Uh, but if you're looking at it from Fangio's perspective, obviously you want to save your job and see year four, so you want to start Teddy Bridgewater, who's the more polished guy. I just I just don't get it. I mean, from a fan's perspective, I just would prefer to see Locke for the reasons I outlined, but obviously Fangio's got a different motive in mind and most likely going to be Teddy Bridgewater.
1: Yeah, um, it's obviously, I think, a mistake um you know you you have these weapons in jerry judy and and Cortland sutton and kj hamler and noah fant um and unfortunately they're not going to be really um getting a lot of opportunities um got you know check down teddy basically um you look at the numbers i mean you know jerry judy created two plays um, that were more, so I believe short throws. Um, one might have been more of a medium like 15 yard throw, but um, but he created yards off of um, those two throws. So his numbers looked better, two catches for 40 yards. But then you look go down the list and you see that um, you know, there was a lot of catches uh, by the running backs. Um, KJ Hamler had one catch for like two yards. Um, you know, like there was no down the field throws, um, other than maybe one, and yeah, it worked in a preseason game. That's not gonna work in the regular season. It's not. And that's not.
0: the thing too. Like a lot of people, I was I was listening to to one of the local local stations yesterday, and I'm hearing, you know, Teddy has just looked fantastic. He showed so much poise in the pocket, and he's climbing it. But then I hear on one side, oh, don't put too much stock in preseason because defenses are just playing vanilla. And, you know, you're not playing against all the starters. So I'm like, okay, yeah, he looked good. But, I mean, we we know what this guy is. We know what he is.
1: Yeah, and it's not going to work. Look, he, he's going to have to take more chances down the field with these weapons. And that's not going to happen. Um, look, Drew Locke... Even in the the second game where he didn't necessarily play as well, but he, he didn't have the weapons. There was a play where the the pocket kind of started to collapse um, on the edges. He stepped up, took like three or four steps up into the pocket and was almost at the line of scrimmage by that point and threw a dart um, to, I believe, oh gosh, who was it? Um, I forget who it was. Uh, I tweeted out, and I just said, you know, this was really nice. Um, But it was – I have the play, actually. I have Twitter open right here. So I'll kind of – it was at the 30 – their own 37. And he steps up in the pocket and throws a dart to 11. Whoever so – uh, Spencer. Spencer. Yeah. And it was third and five. It, it, there was a play that he could have tried to take off and run. It was a play that maybe he could have tried to force in a in a tough – spot but he held on to it. He stepped up, avoided pressure, and it was a it was a rocket of a throw. And Spencer got like destroyed after, but I mean he's five foot nine, so every hit he takes, it looks like he got his head taken off. So but it was a great throw. It was a great play and it was a play in which I saw a lot of development from him because he was getting there was a lot of pressure on him because the offensive line was not very good. Um we've we now know that the, the depth on the offensive line is terrible. And if there's injuries to that starting line, then the Broncos are in trouble. But with pressure on on him, he made a great throw. He set his feet. He didn't, you know, try and back up and throw off his back foot or anything like you would see last season. So from what I've seen from Drew Locke, he looks much better than he did last year and so if and, and a lot of people are saying well it's a 50 50 it's still a tie which to be fair both quarterbacks have taken advantage and and their numbers both look good um so in that sense if it is a tie I, I you have to give it to drew because he played well the last four or five games of the season last year and not only that he hasn't turned the ball over he he is he has taken care of the ball, and not and, and not just that, but he has shown improvement with his footwork, he has shown improvement with his awareness in the pocket, and then he has taken advantage that he's the only quarterback out of the two that has made big plays, that has turned plays into massive plays. Um, obviously, the throw to KJ Hammer was wide open, but do we think that Teddy Bridgewater makes a 60-yard throw like that? No. I don't. Um, I don't even know if Bridgewater attempts that throw, to be honest. I mean it, I, I don't know. I I, I I just I don't believe, I don't trust Bridgewater to make that throw. That was a rocket by Drew Locke to get that to KJ Hamler. I don't think Bridgewater get I Locke's abilities lets you take advantage of the amazing weapons that you have with Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, right? You can take advantage of those guys with Drew Locke. Um, if if it's Bridgewater, it's going to be a lot of dink and dunks. It's going to be a lot of passes to the running backs. And your run, the running backs, I like Melvin Gordon. I really like Javante Williams. But they're not Christian McCaffrey. They're not Saquon Barkley. They can't create like that once they have the ball in their hands. They can't. Um, so... Th- that that play style is not gonna work in the regular season when you're playing against the best players in the world, the best defenses in the world. It's not it's not gonna work. So you have I, I think you have to go with Drew Locke and if he does start to struggle and turn over the ball, fine, put in Bridgewater. But you have to trust Locke to where you have to trust that he has gotten better. And and it looks like he has gotten better so you have to trust that now do i think drew lock will be a top 15 quarterback one day no maybe 15 um he has the talent to be a top 10 we've said that for two years now will he ever get there probably not but you have to take that shot um you have to it's 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 like this this not starting lock day one week one is like passing up on Justin Fields, is like passing up on Josh Allen. That's what it is. Because you're you're not taking the, the risk of this guy possibly being way better than you think he is. You miss that opportunity. And so, you know, could it end up in disaster? Yeah. But could it also take you to 12 wins? Yeah, it could. You have to take that shot. You have to take that risk. And look, the, your first four weeks, you should be three and one. You play some pretty bad teams, so why not put Locke out there? And if he does struggle against those teams, you might be able to sneak out with two and two. And then at that point, put in Bridgewater, and off you go. And let's hope that Bridgewater can take care of the ball. So the the route should be Locke, and if he and if he has a short to medium leash on him.
0: Yeah. And that's a good point too. And I heard a a fan make this when he called into the station yesterday was that since the schedule is so weak, the first four games, why not put Locke in there? And if he does suck, then okay. Then you, then you really know right there, just let it go. But now you don't even, you don't even give him a chance. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and think, you know, say that I think Locke's going to turn into some superstar, but again, just having the foresight of not being so short-sighted with it and focusing on this year and thinking about the future of this team and wanting to you know, set things up for down the road, I'd rather just ride it out with Locke, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Uh, so we'll see if they announce a quarterback today. Hopefully right. they do. And-, well,
1: and, and one last thing. If you, the plan was all along to start Bridgewater and have Locke sit, why didn't you drop Justin Fields then? Right.
0: And, then, and that's what it goes back to. And that's what it goes back to. And I saw Cameron make that point yesterday, was that if you just start Teddy, it's just going to essentially open the can of worms of, why didn't you draft Justin Fields or somebody yeah. like that?
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't... <laughs> if that was the plan all along,
0: and that's where you were leaning towards...
1: Makes no sense.
0: It, it, and again... This is just the theme of how this team has been run. And now it's transcended into two different front offices. It started with Elway's front office of doing things backwards. And now it seems like it's kind of leaked into George Payton's thinking as well. Um, But apparently he didn't like, you know, Justin Fields because he didn't think he'd be a franchise quarterback. And they were scared off by the fact that he has epilepsy and all these things. And okay, hope you're right. Hope you're right. Because if that guy turns into a star, now 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 we have the wrong guy making decisions.
1: Well, and that's now two quarterbacks that you screwed up on, that you didn't take that you should have. And and I love Patrick Sertan, um, and I hope it works out. But the last time you passed up on a quarterback that worked out in Josh Allen, you took Bradley Chubb, and what has Bradley Chubb done?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, his injuries have plagued his career. Had a solid rookie year, and then injuries... Last year, he kind of bounced back a little bit, but he's definitely not lived up. I don't think anybody could say he's lived up to the generational pass rusher nods he was getting coming out of, uh, what was it, North Carolina State, drafted at five or wherever the Broncos took him. He's definitely not lived up to that.
1: And here's the thing. Even if Patrick Sertan becomes Champ Bailey, if if, uh, Justin Fields goes out and is a perennial pro bowler, quarterback who throws, you know, 4000 plus yards, 30 plus touchdowns and 600 700 rushing yards every year and he leads the Chicago Bears to, you know, playoff run after playoff run and you're sitting here without a quarterback but a great a great great amazing corner, it's going to be uh, it's a bad pick no matter how good Patrick Sertan is. Mm-hmm. If if uh if Justin Fields works out, it doesn't even matter if Justin Fields is a if if it doesn't matter if Justin Fields never wins the Super Bowl or wins the MVP. If he's a perennial Pro Bowler, if he's a 4,000-yard guy, 4,500-yard guy, and 30-plus touchdowns, 35-plus touchdowns a year, maybe hits 40 at his peak, you screwed up. If
0: he's Matt Stafford level, obviously yeah. without the injuries, but if he's that right. level, right. you take that.
1: Yep. You
0: take that. You, know, you, you don't find the best quarterback often. You don't even find a top 10 quarterback often. But when you do – you take that over over, over a really great corner.
1: And what have we said a million times? It's not about just the quarterback, it's also the situation. You had the perfect situation for a guy like Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've talked about how, look at how good Mitchell Trubisky looked. He looked great. You know why? Because he had the talent. He had the talent to be a top 10 quarterback, but he went to a, a dysfunctional organization. And they failed. And yet he still got them to the playoffs. He still put up decent numbers. He just wasn't Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson, right? Well, you know, if, if the Broncos would have selected uh, Justin Fields, you put him in a situation where he has Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and these running backs and Noah Fan and Jerry like and and KJ Hamler like you give them weapons and not only that you give them a really good defense. You didn't need Patrick Sertan to put you over the top with your defense.
0: No, I mean that's what Dallas did for Dak Prescott, right? I mean Rip. Dak got dropped into an offense with Zeke and I think Dez was still on that team playing mm-hmm. well. You know, I'm pretty sure Jason Witten was still on that team.
1: Patrick Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes would have went to the Bears. Right? With no weapons. Yeah, it probably doesn't instead turn of, out the same way. Instead of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. What happens? Well, he doesn't win an MVP. He he doesn't win go to two straight Super Bowls. Doesn't win one. More than likely, right? I highly doubt.
0: He probably doesn't become the same player. He probably is a guy the who playoffs. has flashes but is inconsistent because he's you know, he doesn't have yes. he doesn't have no, a hall of fame. Anyone tight end uh you know uh, one of the best receivers in the league one of the best coaches in the league
1: right dad forgot to mention one of the best coaches in league too, uh offensive coaches Mm -hmm. so yeah and then that defense that defense was great already so it, it does matter where you get drafted um that's why i love zach wilson do i think it's gonna work out with the jets probably not unfortunately i hope it does you know we don't know what's gonna happen with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence could easily become a bust. But well, we don't know if Urban Meyer is a good head coach I mean, in the NFL.
0: I mean that that roster is bad and you it know? just got worse for them because Travis Etienne's Travis probably Etienne's out.
1: out. Yeah, and, and and the receivers that they have not that good. So Trevor Lawrence could end up being a bust. Let let's look at um, Andrew Luck. He made the playoffs, but never he had T. Y. Hilton. But did he ever have an offense where you could say, that's a great offense? No.
0: He was always running for his life.
1: He was always running for his life. That's why he got hurt. That's why his career ended short. right? It matters where you go. If Andrew Luck ended up, if, if Tim Tebow sucked and Andrew Luck ended up on the Broncos, what do you think would have happened? It probably would have ended up a lot better than what it did with the with the Colts. Makes me sad. So But we got a Super Bowl, so it doesn't matter. Well, 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 we got we got payton, so it doesn't yeah, whatever. But what I'm saying is it matters where you go. Yeah. And the Broncos were in the perfect situation. They were in the same exact situation that the Kansas City Chiefs were in a few years ago. You had a veteran quarterback who, you know, like with Teddy Bridgewater, if they went and they they traded for Teddy before the draft, right? So um, you had a veteran quarterback who, you know, his ceiling, he can do decent things. You have a really good defense and you have a ton of young, really good weapons. You draft the, you draft the quarterback. He doesn't need to play year one. You could start Teddy and then when it's time, make the switch. If you're not going to make the playoffs, okay, throw him in the last two or three games. Exactly what the chiefs did. And then you roll into the next season with him as your starter. And off you go. He threw for 50 touchdowns, threw for 5,000 yards in year two. One MVP. Year three got to the Super Bowl, won it. Year four got to the Super Bowl. It matters where you go. And the Broncos were in the perfect situation. Perfect situation to take on a rookie quarterback. What have I said over the last, two, you know, this whole podcast, the 101, 102 episodes that we've done, I've said, young quarterbacks... If you take a shot at a young quarterback in a good situation, you can win a Super Bowl within four years. You can. The Seattle Seahawks did it. Mm -hmm. The Philadelphia Eagles did it, although not with Carson Wentz, but I think they would have won it if Carson Wentz stayed healthy. He was going to win MVP that year. He was on pace for throwing for 40-plus touchdowns. Um, The uh, Baltimore Ravens have done it. Now they haven't won a Super Bowl, but they're really good. They're great. Yeah, I mean a lot um, of teams. You've
0: seen a lot of teams do it in recent Dak yeah. Prescott with the Dallas Cowboys. Dak I mean Prescott. they were they were what? Uh, was was that Green Bay game where it was it a catch? Was it not a catch? Right. I think Tony Romo played that game actually. Um but they, they made the playoffs and I think they beat Detroit with Dak Prescott mm-hmm. um in twenty fifteen.
1: Well another one. The Buffalo Bills. Now, it took them a while because they didn't have the right situation right away, but they built the right situation around Josh Allen. And they got pretty far last year, a really good team, and one of the favorites in the AFC this year. Let's look at another one. The Cleveland Browns, one of the worst NFL franchises of all time. They figured out their defense. They got Odell Beckham. They got Landry. They got Nick Chubb. Look at Baker. Not the greatest quarterback, but look what he can do. Gets you to the AFC Championship game. Or was that the AFC Championship game? No, the second round. But it was essentially the AFC Championship game. Yep. You need the right situation first, which the Broncos had, and then go get your quarterback. You can always trade up. And or in their case, the most the one of the best quarterback draft classes ever happened. And you had a shot and you didn't take it.
0: Devastating is what it is. We'll see how it turns out, though.
1: If the Broncos would have drafted Justin Fields, they would have won a Super Bowl within the next four years.
0: I mean, you could definitely say that they'd be in line for something big like that. I don't think that's crazy to say. I don't think it's crazy to say at all. But we'll see. We'll see who they name as starter. Uh, we would assume maybe we get an announcement today if
1: we don't. you know, Game uh, one's. I we. Um saying that it's more than likely going to be next week. So Which... maybe if Fangio hasn't seen just enough, maybe he wants to go with Bridgewater, but Drew Locke has played too well to where he can't justify going with Bridgewater. So he's hoping that Locke fails. <laughs> that's my guess. That That's my guess. I, I think Vic Fangio this whole preseason and training camp wanted Drew Lock to fail. He's waiting for Drew Lock to make a mistake. To
0: give him a reason.
1: Yep. I guarantee you that's what it is. He wants to go with Bridgewater, but he does not have enough to go with Bridgewater because of everything we've just said.
0: We'll see if anybody plays in the third preseason game. I don't and know if how much if they're going to play.
1: But. Also, if you don't agree with that and, and, and you don't think believe that Vic Fangio is cheering for Bridgewater and wants to go that way and is hoping that Locke fails, well, let's see. Uh, they went forward on fourth down through how many times with Bridgewater? And then they had the same situation That with was Locke. so
0: questionable to me. I'm glad you noticed that because I saw that. I was like, wait a minute.
1: (laughs) It's obvious. It's obvious. There's a favorite. There's a favorite. But Drew Locke was here last year. He played well his last four or five games. And he so he had to start Locke first. Locke lit it up. Then the next game, uh, if that was a normal regular season game, Bridgewater doesn't have the numbers that he does. They punt that. I guarantee you they punt that. But Vic Fangio needed Bridgewater to show up. He needed Bridgewater to play well. And so he went for it on those fourth downs. They do not do that in the regular season. Those are punts. Field goals. Mm-hmm. Bridgewater does not have the numbers that he has if they don't go for it on fourth down three times. Yep,
0: and couldn't even get it once with Drew Lock. As soon as I saw that, I put my hands in the air, and I was like, what, <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing?
1: It's pretty obvious that there's a favorite and... So it's not shocking that Vic Fangio doesn't make a decision this week because it, all signs point to you have to go with Locke, but he does not want to go with Locke. He does not trust him.
0: Yeah, which Bridgewater was advocate, Locke hasn't really given you a, a reason to trust him, but he's looked better. He's I think looked better. he's looked better. He's improved. Doesn't mean he's you know some star quarterback, but he's at least looked better.
1: It just and, shows you how poor of a head coach Vic Fangio is.
0: Yeah, well, that's a that's a different story. And I think one of my biggest nightmares, a great defensive coach. Don't get me wrong, yeah, great defensive yeah, great coach. Defense coach. One of my biggest nightmares is that Teddy plays well this year, and Vic gets a new deal. You know, they play well enough that Vic gets a new deal, or you know, he stays a couple more years because I think he has a five or six year deal actually, um, and he stays throughout the rest you know at least a couple more years and then it just you just become this mediocre team that you know shoulda coulda woulda i i just i hope that's not the case.
1: I, I, I honestly think he's one of the worst uh, one of the three worst court uh head coaches in the league right now
0: it's hard to argue against it <laughs> i mean he's win he's he's winless in the first month of month of the season in his first two years um You know, I mean, you you can make an argument that last year with the injuries, maybe they have a winning record. But I don't know if that's essentially on the heels of his great coaching as much as the bounces and just the talent on this team. But I don't know. We'll see. Uh, You have anything else before we wrap today? Nah, I'm good. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. We thank you guys for tuning in. Be back uh, next week. Broncos next game coming up on um, Saturday, 7.05, this Saturday. Uh, Next week, I don't work Saturday, so thank God. Maybe we can get back to our Saturday schedule. But for Brandon Stoll on the other side, I'm Stephen Preach, Jr. This has been the Behind the Glass Sports Podcast.